here with us. We're going to jump into our series. We've been talking about the church with a capital C in this series called My Church. And Jesus actually makes it very clear in the scripture that he's talking about, hey, it's, I'm going to build my church. It's going to look like me. It's going to have relationship with me. And we're building it off of this verse in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 18, and he says, I will build, and say this with me, my, oh, come on this morning. I will build my church. That's right. He said, hey, this is mine. I noticed I did. I just noticed I had something clipped on my shirt, and nobody said a word all morning. Sorry, squirrel. <laughs> he said, I'm going to build my church, and it's going to be uh, something I have a relationship with. It's going to be what I want to commune with. And it goes on to say, and it's going to be so well built that the powers of hell will not prevail against it. That God's plan and still is to, to work through the church. We talked in the previous Sundays that we're supposed to be passionate about three things. about Passionate about going after God. Passionate about prayer. Passionate about people. And last week we talked about pursuing all that God has for us. We talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit and what that meant in a very basic, simple, simple terms. That it's, it's something God provided for us. And he wants us to go after it. He wants us to pursue him. Today I want to, to talk to you about two approaches to God. One I believe is the way he designed us to be for his church. And the other is the way I believe that the world has kind of made it appear that that's how we're supposed to pursue God and connect God. Um, look what the Bible says, and this is in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, so we can go confidently to the throne of God's kindness to receive his mercy and to find kindness. Some versions say go boldly to the throne. It's the, it's the analogy of today of when, you, when your kids come into your house, maybe different in your house, but into my house, they don't stop at the door and go, can we come in, Right? Really, you can be in the bathroom handling business and they don't even stop at that door either, right? They just come right on in. That's, that's the kind of comfortability that God says you need to have with me. That you can walk right up to daddy and say, hey, I'm here. Where the religious world teaches something different. We're going to talk about these approaches, the religious approach versus or relationship approach versus a religion or a religious approach. The first one, one, is life and grace and mercy and a real relationship. Yet there are even, there are Christians and, and churches who preach this, really the second one. This is a religion. It's rules. You have to earn God's love. It's approach to God that's wrong. And if I'm honest, my opinion, but I can back it, it's why the world hates Christians and, and the church. Because if we come at people with this religious attitude, we're giving them something the world's already got. And I think that, and it becomes across as judgmental and hateful and spiteful and mean. And I'm telling you, it's not the way we win Sylvania and Scraven County is by being more religious. Because there are people out, in, out there, it may not be about church, it may not be about God, but they're more religious and locked in on something and committed to something than will ever be. So religion is not what they need. I want to show you in the, be in the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean in the book of Genesis. 
And there's really three stories in the book of Genesis in the first couple chapters. One is the creation story. And then the second story is the one I want to talk about. It's, it, the Bible describes these trees in the Garden of Eden and says that he put Adam and Eve in this perfect garden where they lacked for nothing. Most people and theologians will tell you that, that God would come down and hang out with Adam and Eve. The scripture talks about him walking in the cool of the day through the garden with them. And in the, in the middle of it, he puts these two trees. And it, we'll, we'll see it in Genesis chapter 2. He says, Then the Lord planted, the, planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. He created man, and then he created woman. And the next verse, the Lord said, The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. They could eat what they wanted. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, a lot of us hear that, and we get, we have, we have our Sunday school version in our minds of the little, this will date me, but some of y'all old enough remember the, I don't know what they called, but the old felt boards, they'd slap a felt tree, and some of you teachers probably still use them, and, and you just kind of mentally picture, you know, Adam and Eve, and they've got little fig leaves covering them, you know, and that's what we picture, this tree, a good tree and an and a evil, bad tree. But see, you notice it's not the tree of evil. It's the tree of knowing about good and evil. In other words, it's the tree about knowing what's going on in the world. I'm convinced that God didn't want them to mess with it because he was protecting them because they didn't need to know all of that because they had him. They didn't need to know any of that mess because... They had him to guide them. They were with him every day. Look what the Bible goes on to say. This is in verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. In verse 17. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. And there's all kinds of debate about what, what God meant when he says that. And I think we get distracted and get lost in that. But there's some, what he's talking about is there's something in all of us. Even if you would say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there's a God. It doesn't matter. Your creator put something in you that is trying to get back to him. That's trying to figure out. It's the same thing as if I had a friend who didn't know who his earthly father was. And later in life, he found out. And there was just something in him driving him to just know who it was. And know who this person was. Well, the same thing is true with us and God. Now, here's the third story in the one, two, three. The third story is the devil trying to derail Adam and Eve and their relationship with God. Trying to pull them away. The same thing he did then is the same thing he's doing now. Look what it says in chapter 3, now verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals. That the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? These are the words that the devil still echoes today. He's doing nothing more than trying to get you to question the very word of God. And he looks at Eve and said, did God really say? And look what Eve answers back in the next verse. The woman 
said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. Now, get, did God say you must not touch it? No, he said you don't eat from it. So she's, he's already got her kind of twisted and confused. And then the devil says this, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. In verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you're going to be like God. And if you're like God, then you'll have it all together and things will be, be okay. And God doesn't want you to have that. You got, you got to really suffer for the Lord. Then he'll love you. But he doesn't want you to have this. And look what it goes on to say in verse 6 here. So the woman saw the tree and saw, thought it was good and pleasing to the eye. It was also desirable. Notice here, desirable for gaining wisdom. That's going to be important. She took some, she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. In other words, this is where people say, well, suddenly they realized they were naked. Well, their eyes were open. What you can say there is that they lost their innocence. That when, even as children, when children are growing up now, sadly, at an early, early age, they're finding out the, the evils of the world really early. Whether it be social media or people in, injecting it intentionally into, into kids' materials and kids' TVs and kids' shows. And Adam and Eve went from completely innocent to now they're seeing the world around them for what it is. The good, bad, and the ugly. And they realized... They were naked, that their eyes were open, they lost their innocence. And then the other thing the devil is still pounding us with today, re realizing that they were naked, it was, they were ashamed. That's why they decided, you know, with all the Bible verses you see when they made fig leaves and tried to cover up, they suddenly realized, I've messed up. And they were, they were ashamed, and this is what religion produces. Religion produces shame. Relationship produces shame. Freedom. So I want to give you quickly I'm going to give four big differences between a relationship approach, the tree of life, and a religious approach, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the first one is this. A religious approach, the answer is always you get to God by doing more. You have to serve more, suffer more, give away more, beat yourself up more, be more condemned feel more and more terrible, deal more and more shame. That's what the religious world teaches us. The relationship approach teaches this. Just receive what God's already done. You don't have to do anything. Open your arms and receive it. Nowhere in the gospel does it say you have to do all of this stuff or anything else besides just go, God, I receive it. I receive that Jesus died for me. But God, you don't understand, I'm a sinner, I messed up, you should have seen what I did last night, you should have seen what I said last night, you should have things, that, you, you, God, do you know my life? And the relationship approach says, God says, yeah, I do, but come on, come on anyway. The Bible says in John, John writes this, that you study the scriptures diligently. See, when we read that thinking they're studying the scriptures to get closer to God, and 
or brings me closer to God, and it teaches you more about him, but here's Jesus saying to the Pharisees, you memorize these things, and you think just because you can memorize and you can quote the whole Bible from, or, you know, or for us, it'd be quote the whole Bible from beginning to end, that you're going to have eternal life, and Jesus says, no, you're missing it. That these very scriptures, they're talking about me. I'm right here in front of you, and you're arguing about Scripture, what it means, and here I am in front of you. The next part of the verse says, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. You see, religion and religious people love to measure. Anybody know somebody that's religious or judgmental? They love to measure. They want, they're the one, and sadly, there's Christians, and over the years, I've had to try to bring some correction to some because they walk into a room, chest out. I prayed for two hours this morning. How long did you pray for? Well, this morning, my kids were screaming. Life was tough. I said, hey, to God in the morning, I hadn't prayed since. Well, you need to pray more. How much did you read your Bible this morning? Well, I read the whole New Testament this morning before I ever got out of bed. Well, great. I, I didn't get to my Bible. Well, you should because God doesn't. God loves you because he reads. That's not true. God doesn't love you because you read your Bible. He loves you to read your Bible, but he loves you because he sent his son to die for you. There's, there's this idea that I can, we can measure. And that's, again, that's why people hate religious people because they're judgmental. You got to live up to my standard. Well, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I love all you guys dearly, but it's not your standard that I'm worried about. It's not your, what you ask of me that is priority in my life. It's what God says. So you, you do more or you just receive. You study the scripture, but we study the scripture to learn more. But the Bible says when God's talking to the Pharisees, he was right in front of them. The second one, the religious approach is this idea that God's always mad. And because he's mad, you have to work for God's approval. Remember, you got to do more. Okay, God, I made you happy yesterday. Now today, are you mad again? What do I have to do today? I have to please you somehow. If the Old Testament idea that they had to make regular sacrifices to, to appease God and pay for the sin of man, but Jesus paid all that for us. This is very dangerous because your view of God and your perspective of God will dictate how your relationship with him goes. If somebody in your life that you know, you had a, a mean uncle or a mean dad or a mean mom, your image of moms and dads or uncles in general is skewed because you, I had one that was a jerk. And there are a lot of people that can't relate to dad because unfortunately maybe they had an earthly father who was a jerk. And so every dad is a jerk. And so your view of, of God, if he's always mad and angry, is not going to help you go closer to him. And Jesus says of my church, I'm trying to bring you to me. Who wants to go to a God that's presented as angry and mad? I call it the Mr. Miyagi God. Remember Mr. Miyagi and, and the Karate Kid? He says, he says, squish like great. I think a lot of us think God is just waiting to go, gotcha. Squish like great. You had a bad thought, squish like great. You said a word that made me blush. Squish like great. You told your wife and husband told the wife, told the husband back and forth and made me mad. Squish like great. See, that's just not God. 
See, relationship approach is, I'm just supposed to receive God's love for me. I receive what he's already done. It's on the last point. If he's, if he's given it to me, I get his love not because I've earned it, but because it's free. You've heard me say this over the last three Sundays. If you add anything to that, to the gospel, you add anything to that, you have to do something, say something, wear something, perform some ritual. I even said last week, get baptized. If anybody adds anything to salvation, it's really, it's heresy. You're adding to the Bible. And the Bible says that's not, not okay, that we're, we're to receive God's love from us. God knew your past, and he still went to the cross. He even says it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He says, but God demonstrates his love for us like this. While you were still in sin, Jesus still went to the cross. This is the way I was taught to look at it, and maybe this will help you. If you think about Jesus on the cross, I believe because Jesus was fully God, fully man, that he could look through time and space. In other words, on the cross, he could look 2,000-something years later and see me. And see me doing things I shouldn't be doing. See me saying things I shouldn't say. See all of anything sin. But he said, yeah, I see it. But I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. And they started nailing him to the cross. See, I'm thinking he was looking at us. He was looking through time and going, I see you. Yeah, I know you're flipping me off right now. Yeah, I know you're cussing God. And in our minds, God would say, we would say, we would do, well, I'm not going to die for you if that's the way you're going to act. We would say, God, no way. But God himself and Jesus said, no, go ahead. I'm going to do it anyway. That for the, the one version, or there's one verse in the Bible, I didn't give you the scripture. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Was that saying that the cross was joy? No, what's it saying? The joy before him. Who was the joy before him? Me and you. He said, I, this is not going to be fun, but the joy is I get to save your eternity and you get to be with me forever. That's the joy. We really, I really believe he was thinking about us. But let me ask you this question. And this, uh, I, what, what's going to happen if we present a God to people out there in that manner of, yeah, I see what you're doing, but I love you anyway, a relationship, or we teach the religious God's wagging his finger. You sorry. It's that evangelist quote that sits on the corner and screams at people. You're all sinners. You're all going to the southern way of hey yell. Right? We just we turn one syllable word into two. And God's gonna smush you like a grape. You're he's gonna, you know, all that you're reaping in life is because you're because God's put it on you. And who wants to come to that? We're never gonna reach a reach a, a generation telling them the squish like great God. But we reach them by saying, Yeah, I know life sucks, and I know you're in a hard place. And I've been there, but I also know a God who can help you get out of it. I also know someone that, that, that brings you love even when you messed up. See, when we do this, if we present God, and I'm going to tell you, I think this is the God's honest truth. I think the reason we're seeing growth is not we're better than any other church, we got anything different, or anything to do with any other church. I believe it's because we've been really intentional about telling people, show up. 
What do you got to lose? God loves you. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to hate you. Whatever your issue is, you bring it, you bring it in the door. That's why the building's filling up. That's why we're trying to figure out what do we do with all these kids that are coming in. Because I, I believe even the kids are finding somebody that says, hey, I, I love you and I'm excited about you. And you're going to be a world changer and you're not going to be, you know, a pain to society. You're not going to be the next big criminal, but I believe you can change the world. And they're telling the kids that every week and they bring back. Wednesdays are blowing up because the kids are finding a place to, to belong and have relationship. Now the third one, relationship, a religious approach focuses on the external. You got to do the right thing, say the right thing, wear the right clothes, sing the right way, pray the right way, have the right haircut, have the right, you know, way of praying. I laugh at people, again, I've said this before, most of us are from the South, and if you're not, you don't pray this way either, but in the South, it's, it's funny to me. You go to lunch today, sit down, just sit and listen. When you see somebody get their food, they bow their head. Well, first they take off their hat, because God, for some reason, doesn't like hats. And then, they, and then suddenly the person who was born and raised in South Georgia sounds like she's, she or he is in the, the king's, queen's English of, of England. And we start, we start using this old English, new king, or King James, that we, it's external. God doesn't care what you, what you look like, smell like. He says, bring it all with you and come. Now, relationship, on the other hand, the approach is the focus on the internal. Why the internal is different than the external. Let me ask you a question. Is there a law against murder? Yes. yes. Yet, just guessing, if we turn on the news when we get home, somewhere in the United States, somebody got murdered last night, right? Horrible. Are, is there law against stealing? If I go into the convenience store, go to the candy aisle, just rack that thing of candy and walk out the door, just candy. Is it stealing? Is there a law against it? Did it change anything in me? No. Do people still steal? Yes. Law, a law's never changed anything. And that's, that's what even that's what God said. Listen, y'all, you're trying to change by these laws, and the laws is not what's changing. That the relationship approach is a focus on the internal. It's a heart change. Laws never changed anything. The heart has to change. It's what we've said in the, in the previous weeks. The got to has got to change to the get to. The got to has got to be converted, and you realize I'm part of something big, that what God did for me, and it turns me into, I get to do this. It's my privilege to do this. Look what the Bible says in 1 Samuel. It says, don't judge his appearance or height. For I've rejected him. In other words, you think this is the college recruit you want. This is the five-star. This is him. And God said, no. He was talking about King David. He said, the Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. He says, people judge by outward appearance. But God's looking. All I'm asking you to do is have a heart change. And the heart change comes when we says, God, I'm, I'm going to receive your son, and I'm asking him into my heart. I'm asking him to help me start changing. And that's what we tell people. Listen, I'm not asking you to come be perfect. I'm coming to ask you to change. That's why we see on all of our stuff. I'm coming to ask everybody today that you take one step. 
You take one step from where you are and through life with us, life in God, loving God, pursuing God, that today hopefully we can do this. And I'm one step closer to where God wants me to be. Because if, if I don't and I have this religious thing, then I feel like there are people that tell me all the time, listen, Clint, I, I want to come to church, but I just I can't come in there because of all this stuff. I, you know, the building will burn down. Not won't. And the Bible said, well, in the Bible, his, they, knocked his, they knocked the church down, and Jesus said, oh, I'm going to build it back. No, it's not. Your, your, your sin is not that special. You're not as evil as you think you are. The Bible says, I don't, I, that's not my judge. I don't judge by the external things. I'm telling you to, to come on and come in. Then number four, then there's the religious approach of this. The obedience is out of duty. This is the got to. This is lives lived, the got to. And some of it is people will say, I just don't want to go to hell. So I come in, receive Jesus, dip out, punch my ticket to heaven. Or I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to make God angry. I don't want God to be mad at me. Um, maybe, maybe I show up at Christmas. Maybe I come at Easter. Honestly, this is what makes mean Christians. Because it almost becomes militaristic. And for those of you who have served and are serving in the military, not only thank you, but you will all identify with this. Have you ever had a CO come to you and say, would you like to? No. No, they don't. Even the nice ones. They don't ask you to do it. They what? They tell you to do it. Well, that's the way we come across as Christians. You need to be in church. And they just, people throw up a wall and, well, why? What, what? What are you judging me? What are you looking at? Instead of, hey, I was, I was in the place where you are. You need to come hang out with me. because Just bring them with you. Bring them into a place where they can find the same thing you did. A, a, the religious approach is just duty. The relationship approach It's the Chick-fil-A approach. Anybody else annoyed by the Chick-fil-A people? It's the most brilliant, one of the, Mr. Kathy, it's one of the most brilliant things they did. Because everybody knows it, even hateful people. That you walk in the door. Now, honestly, I, <laughs> I really don't think I believe it every time I walk in and they say, my pleasure. I'm like, you don't even mean that. But see, the relationship approach to God is not that I got to, it's the I get to. God, God asks things of me and, me, and I get to go, my pleasure. Hey, Clint, I, I need you to change this in your life. My pleasure. You guys have heard me say this before, but I wanted to show you a picture on the screen here. This is the sign that's above the office door when we come out of the office into the foyer. This sign that says it's a privilege to serve on this team and thank you, God, for choosing me. See, I didn't, I didn't do something special. I don't have anything special that you don't have. I just know God chose us. And the Bible says in 1 John 5 that loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. But love for God can be what you want to do, not what you're told you have to. Nobody tells me every morning, 
Now remember, Clem, you're married to Melanie. And then they tell me all her good traits. And remember, this is important. You got me? Yeah, I'm listening. Okay, what? You have to love her. In 24 years of marriage, nobody's ever had to, had to instruct me. Why? Because it's part of a relationship. It's what we've built on for 24 years. It, it's, love is, is not a got to. It's that I'm blessed and I, I get to. It's not being told. The religious side is you can't, you can't, you can't. Stop, 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 don't. That to me doesn't bring anybody freedom. That, that when we present God and church as let me tell you what God lets you do. And we talk about God as what you get to do, not what you can't do. And that's what the religious approach just hurts us in that. So real quick, give me eight minutes and we'll be out of here. I'm going to give you how we walk this out. How do we walk this out? How do we walk out the relationship tree of life approach and stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the religious side? The first one shouldn't be, have to be said, but it's, I'm going to give it to you anyway. And that's this. Just love Jesus. Love Jesus. Guys, I know this sounds mushy and it sounds soft. Get over it. Just fall in love with God. Fall in love that you want to talk to him. You want to read your Bible. You, you talk about the things he's done. Think about what he's done for you. We sang that song, I trust in God, my Savior, the one who saved me. Even when your pastor at one of the lowest times in my life in the last 20 years stood right out there in the parking lot and told God where he could stick it because I was done. And God just pat me on the back. It's okay. You're going to repent. We're going to move on. Church is going to grow. Yeah, me. Right out there. I can take you to the parking lot where I stood. The parking spot. If anybody's parked in the second spot against the grass, be careful. That's where I was standing. <laughs> just fall in love. And I had to just fall in love with God all over again. And realize this is bigger than me. Think about what he did. That he's, he's my friend. The Bible says in John chapter 14... If you love me, obey my commandments. Now, this is where religious people get this wrong. They, and I'm going to ask you, what side of the common do you fall on? I love you. God, I'm going to obey your commandments. Or is it obey my commandments and prove to me you love me? I no longer have to prove to her that I love her. And I think a lot of people, we live life thinking, well, if I do this, then that's going to show God I love him. No, I, get to, I do what I do because I love God and, it, and I realize what he's done for me. One version in 2 uh, Corinthians says this. It says, for Christ's love compels me. It pushes me forward. It pushes me closer. It pu pushes me. Today you'll have teenagers going out to go through the city and county and just go show people some love that I have to believe they're compelled because they realized, hey, I've got something that God did good for me and I want you to know about it. I've got something that even I messed up, he forgave me and he'll forgive you too. Christ's love compels us. The second thing is that we respond to sin 
with life. We respond to sin in our own life by saying, God, forgive me. He, he loves you. He forgives you. I believe he, he breathes life and in, back into you when we come back. But even our relationship as a church to people, that when we, we're, we're not wagging our finger at people. Let me put it this way. This will be a, a more current term. What are we going to do? People come through the door. They're messed up. Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they've been cheating. Maybe they've been stealing. Maybe they got issues. Maybe it's internal. We can't see it. Maybe they have to have it wear on their sleeves. Years ago, we had some uh, guys that we had a permission from the, I guess it was the sheriff's office. They had some guys here who were trustees. They were still in jail, but they had came with an officer here. And he said, I have, it's just hard to go in there because I have to wear this prison suit and I'm wearing all my he didn't use the word crap, but he said something else. <laughs> he said, I'm wearing it all on the outside where everybody can see it. And I thought, I said, man, come in. I promise you nobody will say a word. Matter of fact, they'll probably be even more, more loving to you. And I was right that nobody said a word. But let me ask you this. When people come in and they're wearing the proverbial prison suit and they got issues, just like you had issues, because don't think you got issues. Don't have issues. If you don't have issues, that's your issue. Because you, I got in trouble for saying this one time, but everybody has that stinks. It all stinks. Everybody. No matter how, how clean and how, and how vegan or how you eat and how you eat all perfect food, it still stinks. There's people who don't. But are we going to do this? Are we going to cancel people? You don't exist. That's what we do today. People are getting canceled for all kinds of crazy stuff. Their lives and, and livelihood destroyed. Or are we going to care for people? Now, don't get me wrong. This is not condoning. This is not saying, I know what you're doing, and it's okay. God loves you anyway. It's that greasy grace. No. There's a time for that. But you have to love people. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 3. That God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point a finger, telling how bad he hates the world and how bad it is. But it says that he came to help and to put the world right. This is the way you can say this. This is one for you to tweet, quote, write down, put on your refrigerator. Grace invites you, invites you to be free so that the truth can set you free. We just scream at people, you know the truth and it's going to set you free. And we scream at them with no grace. Well, they don't hear anything but some religious yeah, yeah. But when you say, listen, I was there. God gave me grace. He'll give you grace. Come on in. Then life changes. Then life goes on. You remember the story in the, in the Bible of the woman caught in adultery? They bring her out, this whole group of men, by the way, they didn't drag the man out, they just dragged the woman and drug her out, full in her birthday suit, threw her down in front of Jesus, trying to humiliate her, and that's when Jesus started saying, yeah, well, if y'all ain't got any sin, you want to throw the first rock. All the guys leave. Jesus looks at her and says, I love you, go and sin no more. Now, is he saying, I condone what you're doing? No. He's saying, I'm going to draw you in with grace and once he draws us in, then he says, okay, now let's work on this. I'm not condoning what you keep trying to do. I'll fix it. There's a time for truth. 
that grace and truth are, are two sides of the same coin. And if you smack people with truth all the time, it's mean. If you give people grace all the time, it's meaningless. It takes both sides. But God gave us grace to draw us in. And then the last one, ushers, you guys can do your thing, team, you guys can come. And that is... That's the guard against going back. That Jesus said, my church, listen, church, you got to be careful. I just put it as guard against the lane change. That we try to jump back over into the, into the religious side. That when we get pressed and pushed, we, we go religious and we don't go grace and mercy. We, we want to wag our finger in people's face. And it's just not going to, we're not going to reach, reach our county. And it's very easy to slide back into this got to. We tell the, the dream teamers, if you're new, that's what we call, everybody's servant is, is part of what we call the dream team. That we don't want you to get burned out because if, if you start getting burned out, then your get to slides back over to the got to and it becomes this duty that you're not doing it because you're passionate about a call that God's put on you to serve in the nursery, to work in the, in the sound booth, a greeter, an usher, to play on the praise team. But I wanted you to, to know this, that our mission is not to point out people's sin. Why? Because we know everybody's got it. There's no reason to point and go, you got sin, you got sin. Oh yeah, you got sin and you got sin. We, we're all dealing with it. Our mission is to show them how to find freedom from it. Our goal is that, listen, I found, for, I was bound up and I was angry, I was mad, I was, I was drinking too much, smoking too much, I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. And God loved me anyway, and he'll love you anyway. It's to show them how to find freedom from their sin. That's why we tell people, we want you to know God, find freedom. Before you do anything else, know God and find freedom. And this is why. Look at 1 John 5. That whoever has the Son, that's a capital S, talking about Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have God's Son doesn't have life. The way you have life and eat from the tree of life is a relationship. And some of us have, have let our relationship, got, we've gotten separated and it was slid, maybe you were saved and you slid back over to the got to or slid back over to the, the religious. I have found this, and you guys can stand and we'll close with this. I have found that if, if you find yourself being very judgmental and religious, you probably have something in your life you need to deal with. Because hurt people hurt people. Religious people make the religion of other people. And we're not going to do that. We're going to show people life and show people love. Amen? Amen. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. God, we thank you that this morning we can know your love, know your joy. God, for those in the room, Mr. Clint, I need, to, I need to know God. I need to start this journey. That your word tells us we believe it in our heart, confess it in our mouth that, Jesus, you came, you died, you paid the price, and now you've been resurrected in heaven changing me that I receive all of that now that God I ask you to forgive me 
A simple prayer like that, the Bible says that your eternity is secure, that you've started this relationship and you need to build a relationship, not a religion. God, I don't follow the rules because I have to. I follow the rules because I get to, because your love pushes me. For all of us in the room, God, that your church will be one that is in relationship with you. This is not a religion. God, we're in in no way religious, but we are passionate about being in relationship with you. And God, I thank you for it now. We thank you for life, mercy, and grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.